How's everybody doing? Wow. I mean, wow. That was like either you're all doing really rubbish or you're just not. Because I heard like one good and everybody else was like, I'm not even going to make a noise. I'm not even going to grunt. It's just, mm, I'm just going to sit here. I'm hoping that the lack of noise is not a reflection of that being, being that bad. Hopefully you're doing all right this morning. Um, I have to admit that I'm probably a bit more of a grunt this morning. Usually I'm like, woohoo, come on. And this morning I'm a bit more of a, uh, um, for a combination of reasons. One, tiredness, and some sure, I'm sure some can feel that. Um, but uh, another is um, my middle daughter, Evelyn, uh, last night was ill. And so part of my mind is thinking of her and praying for her. And, um, so, and I'm sure that that is not, I'm not the only one in this room that knows someone who is ill. And sometimes our minds can go, because uh, I'm thinking about the person that's sick or the person I need to help. And, and I just want to encourage you to say, one, you're not alone in that. We all possibly may know someone or may be struggling and moving through some stuff. But two, our amazing, awesome God is with you in that. And so I just want to also pray and hope that whatever it is that's going on this week, whether illnesses of others, whether illness of your own, maybe this is the first thing you're feeling all right enough to leave the house. I don't know or whatever other things are going on, I pray that they would not be distractions of uh, hearing what God has for us this morning. We're going to be diving into continue the giving up series, which like Mike so awesomely said last week, I liked it. It's not about just giving up. It's not like, oh, I'm done with it. Um, But it's about giving up. It's a giving series. And I said a few weeks ago when I started it, I don't like talking about money, (laughs) but we have to. Uh, God called us to be a people that give, not just us as GBC, but Christians. And so a couple of weeks ago, we talked about um, the fact that giving, giving up, to be able to give up, to give up to the Lord, we need to be able to sacrifice of ourselves. We looked right at the beginning uh, at, at the story of Abraham and Isaac and how he was obedient. Abraham was obedient, how he was present, how he heard, and he was willing to sacrifice his own son. We spoke about how Isaac at some point had to have come to the decision and the conclusion to say, okay. You can take me as well, I guess. There, that, that moment of like, I am the sacrifice, Lord, take me. And then Mike did an amazing job last week unpacking the fact that actually we are called to give of so many different things for the sake of the kingdom, for that of mission, to go and share the good news. And I love that he said that it's one of the, one of the few things that we won't be doing in heaven. We won't have to go tell people about Jesus because everybody will know Jesus in heaven. But we do all have that responsibility here today. And so we're going to be continuing that series. But before I do, I, I wondered if I could ask, does anybody know what today is? Sunday. Sunday. Clever answer. Oh, brunch. Anybody? Anybody? I'm probably not, and that's okay. But anybody know what date it is today? Third. Anybody know what the 3rd of October marks? It's okay. It's one that's always going to be ingrained in my head because the 3rd of October today marks five years since I started as the pastor here at GBC. Oh, there you go. But why do I share that five years? One, because I'm reflecting on it. So like I said, I wasn't expecting anybody to know. It would have been a nice surprise. I am taking notes. Nobody remembered anniversary. Why? Anyway, no, I'm kidding. I'm not taking notes. But but it is one of those things that obviously for me, it it was an impact. It was a call. But one of the things that led me to do, I kind of said, you know, well, let me reflect on the last five years. And I'm not sure how many of you know the Baptist minister process. The, the church was an interregnum, and part of that process, the church builds a church profile. The minister builds a church. No, the minister builds a minister profile. It would be awkward if I built a church profile, because I'm not a church. I'm part of it. Anyway, it doesn't matter. I was going to go all theological, but 
Guys aren't even there with me yet. Nothing? So, sort of. Anyway, but on the church profile, there was loads of things that GBC shared and described, and it was all sorts of stuff from the gatherings, from the buildings, from all sorts of stuff. But there was this little section, which I really found fascinating. It says, how we see the future in five years. And it had these four points. To have more families and people as part of the church. To have visible spiritual growth within the church. To have a readiness to respond to God's call. And to have a willingness to step out of the comfort zone. Those are the four points. That independent for me, the church members at the time, wrote down that that is what they saw and hoped for in the future in five years. The five-year plan, if you will. Now, you've heard me talk about five-year plans in past. Hold them loosely, unless they're God-given. But with this, I wonder if I could ask a question. Hey, do we have more families and people as part of the church? Yeah. Is there visible spiritual growth within the church? People's answer might be different, but from here, from the front, I'm going to say, yeah. Is there a readiness to respond to God's call? I'm going to say, yeah. I think we're hesitant sometimes, and hey, even myself, but the fact that we're doing things differently, the fact that in the middle of a pandemic, there was things that changed us, the fact that we do Third Sunday, the fact that the Backroom Cafe is open, like there's a response that we as a fellowship, as a church, have gone, okay, God, and a willingness to step out of the comfort zone. I want to say, yeah. Again, third Sunday. The idea of not doing a church service on a Sunday, everybody's like, oh, I don't know. Really, mm, are we really? Are we? Yeah, we're connecting with people and seeing fruit. It's out of our comfort zone. It's not, but we're stepping in. The idea of doing a cafe, the idea of doing small groups in different ways, the idea of doing live church online, <laughs> right? Five years ago. Now, don't get me wrong, I'm sure there are plenty of things that God has said, hey, church, you missed it. <laughs> there are plenty of things that God's saying, hey, church, come on, there's more. But I think it's an opportunity for us to praise God for how awesome and faithful he's been. And maybe it'll just be me and the family later on going, woohoo, yeah, God, that's my really praising dance. It's more, anyway, a bit more embarrassing than normal possibly, but, but I think there's reason to praise God. Don't get me wrong, the last five years have also seen difficulties and have seen pain and have seen struggle. The last five years have seen a pandemic worldwide that none of us ever could have seen coming. But through it all, God is faithful. Amen? Amen. Through it all, God has been with us. Amen? Amen? And through it all, God is still with us. Even as we talk about money. So we're going to continue this series, Giving Up. And again, we started in Genesis right at the very, very beginning. We started looking at that amazing sacrifice and obedience of Abraham. We looked at the fact that we need to give up so much of ourselves and of, our, of what we hold on to, what we think perhaps, to go and be missionaries. And today we're going to dive in to Luke 16, 1 through 15, to see what else we may have to give up. Now, those of you who know your scriptures really well, you might know this as the parable of the shrewd manager, a parable being one of the stories that Jesus told. So this is on the mouth of Jesus himself. And starting at Luke 16, verses 1 through 15, it says this. 
Jesus told his disciples, there was a rich man whose manager was accused of wasting his possessions. So he called him in and he asked him, what is this I hear about you? Give an account of your management because you cannot be manager any longer. The manager said to himself, what shall I do now? My master is taking away my job. I'm I'm not strong enough to dig and and I'm ashamed to beg. I, I know what I'll do so that when I lose my job here, people will welcome me into their houses. So he called in each one of his master's debtors. He asked the first, how much do you owe my master? 3,000 liters of olive oil, he replied. The manager told him, okay, take your bill, sit down quickly and make it 1,500. Then he asked the second, and how much do you owe? 30 tons of wheat, he replied. He told him, take your bill and make it 24. The master commended the dishonest manager because he had acted shrewdly. For the people of this world are more shrewd in dealing with their own kind than are the people of the light. I tell you, Use worldly wealth to gain friends for yourselves so that when it is gone, you will be welcomed into eternal dwellings. Whoever can be trusted with very little can also be trusted with much. And whoever is dishonest with very little will also be dishonest with much. So if you've not been trustworthy in handling worldly wealth, who will trust you with true riches? And if you have not been trustworthy with someone else's property, who will give you property of your own? No one can serve two masters. Either you will hate the one and love the other, or you will be devoted to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve both God and money. The Pharisees, who loved money, heard all of this and were sneering at Jesus. And he said to them, You are the ones who justify yourselves in the eyes of others, but God knows your hearts. What people value highly is detestable in God's sight. I don't know about you, but I read that scripture and it hurts. (laughs) It brings up question marks. And I get really a bit wound up. (laughs) But then also start praising God immediately. Of course I don't love money more than you. God, I love you more than anything else. But does my life reflect that? I read this and parts of it I go, huh? What is Jesus on about? I tell you, verse 9 is one of the ones that really sticks out to me. You know, essentially, it can be interpreted to say, hey, go scratch someone else's back so that they'll scratch yours later. What? Jesus said, what? Is that what he's saying? No, just in case. He's not saying that. But people can hear that. Some of the disciples then could have heard it. People that tune in this morning might even hear that. And I want to start right now by saying, Jesus is not talking about go scratch someone's back. But he is talking about actually our commitment to giving and serving in our relationship with money. So today, as a person who doesn't like talking about money, guess what we're talking about? Money! Yay! And I'd imagine if you're anything like me, you're going to be convicted this morning. And some of what I say this morning might really upset you and hurt you. 
And please, please, please don't punch me after the service. <laughs> but I, I would encourage you, if you're convicted by what God is saying, ask the question, Lord, what are you asking of me? Because today we're looking at biblical stewardship. Now, stewardship is a word that we use within the church often. We talk about being good stewards of, mo- of, of money. There's even Christian organizations called stewardship. Like, stewardship is a word, but what is stewardship? What actually is it? Well, the definition, according to the dictionary, is the job of supervising or taking care of something such as an organization or property. Am I a steward? Am I taking care of an organization or property? Am I? Well, no, this, but maybe as a body we're taking care of the property of the church building. Perhaps we need to be, okay, but, but what else is it? Well, it goes on. It says, the conducting, supervising, or managing of something, the careful and responsible management of something entrusted to one's care. The careful and responsible management of something entrusted to one's care. What have you been entrusted with? Now, you will remember several, actually, I think before the giving service, the series ever started, I said something along the lines, and I'm not the only one that said it, but that actually none of this belongs to us. Your money doesn't belong to you. Your clothes don't belong to you. Your house, your job, your cars, your wealth don't belong to you. In fact, even your life doesn't actually belong to you. Your children don't belong to you because it all belongs to God. You're with me. Okay, amen. (laughs) It all belongs to God. And as a parent, that's difficult to say sometimes that my kids are not mine. Of course they're mine, but they're not. As, as, a, as a Baptist church, we do dedications, and we dedicate our children to the Lord. And, and what we're saying is, Lord, this child is yours. I will do everything as a parent in my power to raise them to know you, to love you. And hey, we ask that of the church body, those who love to come and come alongside and disciple and love and point to you, Lord. But ultimately, this child is yours. Nothing is mine. So what have you been entrusted? Well, everything. Everything that you have, your breath. Everybody do that real quick. Just breathe in. Your breath in your lungs entrusted to you by the Lord. Your clothes entrusted to you by the Lord. The food on your tables, the roof over your head, the pew that you're sitting on entrusted to you by the Lord. Come on. Amen. Anybody else rejoicing? How blessed are we? But here's the thing. If it's all entrusted to us, our money, the pews, our breath, our clothes, we are stewards of it. Because if it's God's, then we have to take care of it because it's not ours. So today is about stewardship. And we're going to talk money but it goes beyond that as well. And so in that reading of Luke, I think the first point that we see is that we're all held to account for our management. Jesus told his disciples, verse one, there was a rich man whose manager was accused of wasting his possessions. Now a parable, again, a story. Hey, God can turn to someone and say, you right there, I'm not pointing to any one person, so don't feel convicted or judged. You are wasting my possessions, God says. You're wasting what I've given you. You're wasting the clothes, the food, the money, the pew. You're wasting it. So he says, hey, go and give an account of your management. I want to know what you're doing with it. What are you doing with my money? What are you doing with my things? We're all held to account. 
Again, a parable is a story, right? It's pointing to a greater truth and a reality in the kingdom. And here we see that Jesus uses this manager being held to account by his master, which points to the fact that we are being held to account by our master. I've said it often before. We will all stand before Jesus. We will all stand before him. And he will say, hey, did you live the life I asked you to do? He, we, like, the list of sins is all we tend to focus on, right? We always tend to go into judgment of like, I will stand in a, to account for all of my sins. And yes, we will. But we'll also stand to account for all of the awesome good things that we've done for the Lord. We will also stand to account with how we managed, how we stewarded what he's given us. Now, I don't know about y'all, but I'm more comfortable with some of those things than others. <laughs> When I start thinking about it, I'm like, I can, Lord, I can tell you exactly how I gave my life to you. And yeah, there's some sins that we talk about, but thank you for your grace and I'm working on that. But I can tell you about the things, I, how I loved you and how I spoke about you and how I gave my life to follow you. And then he says, okay, Adrian, well, what about your spending? How have you done with that? And I go, um, do, do we have to? Well, I tithe to the church. I gave my 10%. I gave my offering. He's like, yeah, but all of it's mine, Adrian. I'll let you keep 90%, but what'd you do with it? And I can honestly say that a lot of it, I've done things for the kingdom, but I, I repeat myself often, one of my biggest sins is I overeat and that costs money. <laughs> so one of the things I have to be held to account for is actually what, what am I spending that on? Do I really need all? Am I being a good steward with what God has given me? How have you managed what's been entrusted to you? What you've been given to manage? And the thing is that right now, like automatically, if you're anything like me anyway, you've got like a list in your head. I'm like, well, I've done, I've done that really, really well. I'm like, yes, 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 yes. Good, good, tick, 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 tick. And then the things that are not so good, I'm like, well, there's room for improvement. We'll leave it at that. <laughs> and we see that the manager almost enters into a bit of a panic, doesn't he? <laughs> He's like, well, I'm going to lose my job. <laughs> I'm losing my job, so, so what can I do? Well, I, I don't, I'm, not, I'm not tough enough or strong enough to do digging. And I, I, How dare I ever beg? I'm too pride-filled to beg. I know. I know. I know. I'll, 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 I'll do something else. I'll, I'll kind of pardon some of the debts. That kind of mentality, if I scratch your back, you scratch mine. But that is not what Jesus is implying here. And I also want to note really quickly in this moment that the, the, the people that the manager actually helps, the people whose, to use the term, backs he scratches, are not the rich and the wealthy. It's not the, hey, mate, I want to do you a favor now, you're going to do me a favor later because you're a person in a high ranking, right? And I know that you're a millionaire, so I'm going to do this for you now, but I expect it back later. The people he helped are those who are in debt. They're, they're indebted to his master. So, so he's going to go help others. And don't get me wrong, he's going with the motivation of if I help you, I'm hoping that you're going to help me later. You'll welcome me. But he's going to help those in need. A dishonest manager is not depending on their riches, but on the relationship of mutual dependence that he's building with them. I know that's a bit hard to hold on to, but he's after relationship with these people. That's what he's after. Because he's like, I'm going to lose my job. So when I'm done, my relationship with you, I'm hoping you will open your doors to me because we have something, we've built something. What it was built on 
was me forgiving you some debt, which isn't even mine to forgive, but I've done it. So <laughs> he's after relationship. Now, again, Jesus is not saying to depend on the fickle sentiments of people. I've even written this down so that I don't misquote it. So that I don't, you know, do not mishear me. The story turns quickly from the debtors to the master in the story. And Jesus endorses the master's maxim, if you were, whoever is faithful in a very little is faithful also in much. And this points to God as the guarantor that using money for relationships will lead to lasting security in that moment. But it's about when you build good relationships with other people, you come to have good relationships with God. See, in that moment, it's not about the money. It's about the relationship. If you have good relationships with people, you're being a good steward of yourself, of your time, of, your, of the God's grace that he's given to you, you're sharing with others. So are you in that moment having good relationships with people? Because that reflects your good relationship with God. So you see, we, we see that God is more concerned with our relationships than the money in the bank. We're called to build up relationships, not build up money. I said we're going to talk about money and we will. It's coming, don't worry. But verse 5, he called in each one of his master's debtors and he asked the first, how much do you owe my master? He comes in through the money, 3,000 liters of olive oil, he replied. The manager told him, take that bill, sit down quickly and make it 1,500. Then he asked the second, how much do you owe? 30 tons of wheat. Take your bill, make it 24. It was about that relationship that he was building. I think Jesus tells this parable, tells this story to say, hey, you have to be held to account for what you're doing with all of it, your money, your time, your relationships. But here, the master doesn't turn to him and say, what were you doing? I didn't want 1,500, I wanted the full 3,000. He doesn't. In fact, the master even commends him. He goes, good job, mate. Huh, good thinking. This parable is so difficult, in my opinion, but there's so much truth in it, and we can get so lost in what Jesus is trying to say. Verse 9 is so easily misconstrued. I tell you, use worldly wealth to gain friends for yourselves, so that when it is gone, you will be welcomed into eternal dwellings. Those are the words of Jesus. I often say, if you're going to take nothing else out of Scripture, just take what Jesus said, and if you live that out, you've got plenty to, to, to deal with. But Jesus says, again, use worldly wealth to gain friends for yourselves. What? What are you on about, Jesus? You want me to buy my friendships? Is that what Jesus is saying? I'm hoping there's a resounding no. Is that what Jesus is saying? Thank you. There's one in the back who's still with me. Everybody else is like, meh. It can be heard as that. But if we're meant to be good stewards with our money... If, if we know that he, he as, as, as the manager, as the master, he's looking at us as managers and saying, hey, you need to be held to account for how you're handling the money and use this to build relationships. What is he saying? The money that he's given to you isn't for you to store up and put in your bank. The money that he's giving to you is for you to go and bless others, build in relationships. Don't buy friendships. If I give you a little quid, will you be my friend? Yay! No, it's for others. It's for the sake of others. And the thing is, I don't know anybody who's ever received money and not gone, why are you giving me money? Thank you. Have you ever been on the receipt 
on the receiving end of like a random gift? I have. More often than, than I even care to share sometimes, but it's one of those thank you, praise God moments. But they are awkward moments, yet glorious moments. Because we're not used to receiving something for nothing. We're not used to it. If I give you money in the world, I expect something back. And if I receive money from you, even though you may say it's got no strings attached, my immediate thought is, what are you going to want from me? Thank you very much, but what do you want? What are you buying? But we see right here in the manager, <laughs> he turns to these people and he says, what do you owe? Great, cut it in half. What do you owe? Done. What's the catch? I mean, he has a purpose in his, his hey, hopefully you'll think of me. But equally, the people that he, whose debt he's cut, right? You owe 1500 Next week, if I come to you, it's up to you whether or not you let me in. Jesus is saying here that actually it's not about the money, it's about the people. What are you doing with it? How are you stewarding that money? One of the things about the Gambling Gate Food Project that I absolutely love. I, <laughs> pause. I met someone a few weeks ago outside the Gambling Gate Food Project who's actually a pastor, a minister of a different church. Um, and and it's, it's clear that our theology on feeding people who are hungry is slightly different. Um, because this person, without saying I was wrong for being a part of this project that was feeding people, essentially said I was wrong. Uh, and, he, and, and it was in a very difficult conversation in, in as much as they said, well, we go out on a Sunday after church, because I, I invited him to the Backroom Cafe. I said, hey, if, you, you know, if you ever, you're around, you're relatively local, come to the Backroom Cafe, it'd be great. Oh, no, no, I'm, on a Sunday I'm busy. I'm a pastor. Today. Oh, cool. Well, we're open till four. You can come afterwards. No, I won't do that. I can't do that because I go and do street evangelism. Because you see, what people need more than anything else, they don't need food, they don't need coffee, they need to hear the good news. Not enough people are preaching the good news. And I was like, oh, okay. Like, insult me right to my face, why don't you? There's an implication that I'm not preaching the good news. An implication that what we're doing with the cafe or the Gambling Gay Food Project is not of the kingdom. But when I read scriptures like this one, See, the, the Gambling Gay Food Project, yes, is about reducing food waste and being good stewards of what we have, being good stewards and taking care of the planet that we've been given. But it's also about building relationships with those who don't yet know Jesus. You can ask any of the volunteers from the fridge. Most people, the first thing that they say, oh no, I, I, don't, I don't need it. That's fine. The community fridge isn't about needing. It's about reducing food waste. So come and take. But why are you giving it to for free? Just be blessed. There's no reason. People are shocked that we would do something for free. That we would steward food. That it was going to be in the bin. Like, let's be honest, it's, it's food that's been badly stewarded in one sense. That we're saying, let us steward it a bit better. And that has led to us building relationships, y'all. I can tell you of, 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 a, of, a, of a young woman who came in and said, wow, what a blessing this is. And actually, I'm in really struggling, so I couldn't even tell you how much of a blessing this is. And I said, well, hold on, are you struggling? Can we help you beyond just the fridge with the need project? And the response was, 
if it's, if it's not too much, I feel really awkward about it. My pride gets in the way. I'm like, hey, don't worry about pride. Let us feed you. I'm not doing that with an expectation that they will come and be a butt in a seat on a Sunday. I'd love it if they did. I'd love it if they came and said, Jesus, thank you. You're my Lord and Savior. Like, ultimately, that's why I do it. But there's no expectation. There's no string. Here's a food parcel. Here's some free food. Only if you scratch my back. We're stewarding what we have. Are you stewarding what you have? The question has to be asked. What are we doing with our worldly wealth? Be it money, be it food, be it our cars, our clothes. What are we doing with our worldly wealth? Now, I can't answer that for you. For you. I can just about answer that for me. <laughs> and sometimes I'm like, woohoo, yay, Jesus, I've got that part right. And then other times I'm like, whoa, really need to address that. What are we doing with our worldly wealth? Verse 10, whoever can be trusted with very little can also be trusted with much. And whoever is dishonest with very little will be dishonest with much. So, you've not been, so if you've not been trustworthy in handling worldly wealth, who will trust you with true riches? That verse, let me just read that one more time. Let's just focus. So if you've not been trustworthy in handling worldly wealth, money, cars, that stuff, who will trust you with true riches? Let me ask you this. What's, what's, what are true riches? The kingdom, salvation. Like those are the true riches. Like our true riches are our relationship with Jesus. It's like what we have and give. Jesus is saying, if you're not trustworthy with the financial stuff that you have, no matter how little, no matter how much, whatever it may be, if I can't trust you, Jesus says, with that, then how can I trust you with the truest of riches, salvation. That, that hurts, y'all. Doesn't that hurt? That hurts me. That's a question that I'm like, my goodness, Jesus. That is harsh. Who will trust you with true riches? And if you've not been trustworthy with somebody else's property, who will give you property of your own? I'm not, I don't think Jesus is talking about property of my own here. You know the whole he's building for us, he's preparing a place, right? Our property that we're going to be able to hang out with. And all. Like who's going to give us that if we can't even take care of and steward what we've got here? I don't know about y'all, but I'm challenged. And I said, I don't like talking about money, but here we are, right? Are you being a good steward, using it for the kingdom, for those indebted, for those in need? Time is running away, but I do want to share this story because it's, I mentioned that I often, more often than not, more often than maybe I'd care to admit, have been blessed with people who are being good stewards. Recently, one of my cars, our cars, we have two cars, we're very blessed, even that, what a weird sentence, we have two vehicles, like come on. But one of them was like pretty dead. <laughs> it was like gone. It's going to cost a lot of money. <laughs> A lot of money to fix. And so Amanda and I had this like crazy dilemma of like, okay, well, we don't have that money. We don't have the savings. We don't have that in the bank. So we have two options. We either don't go for it, don't go for fixing it. It's fixable, apparently, so we were told by the mechanic. So we go and trust this guy and fix it and pay a big bill. Or we say, forget it, and we try and figure something else out. Sell it, buy something else. We don't know. 
And, and we felt that the best decision was to say, we're going to keep this car, we're going to go with it. And so we said, okay, we, we got credit cards. Unfortunately, part of our mistakes in our youth, dare I say, our younger youth, because still, I still consider myself young, but you know, was living off of credit cards for a bit. While I studied, while I did all the other things, and we said, okay, we'll put it on a credit card. We don't want to. We were going to be debt-free soon. We were praying for it, but we'll do it. And the very next day, Amanda went into work and her first words to her manager were, I need to make some more money, so are there any extra shifts? I need to do that. And she went into like, you know, worry, panic mode, right? I've got to do this, I've got to do the other. And she called me on the way back from work saying, Adrian, there's no bank shifts, there's no extra shifts available. I can't get anything. How are we going to do it? And in that moment, I had this like, just gut-wrenching conviction of like, Amanda, we just need to put Jesus first. We just need to trust and we need to be good stewards of what we've already got. We need to relook at our own bank account and say, how are we going to change things? I need to stop eating as much because I'm spending loads on food. Like we need to do stuff and we need to do it with Jesus at the top. Now, y'all, this is a real moment of vulnerability for me because y'all might be thinking, well, but you're a pastor. Don't you do that all the time? I'd love to say yes, but guess what? I'm human, right? I fall short. And that decision we made as a couple and literally... The next day, we have an envelope through our door with a check towards our mini. I'm not, I'm literally goosebumps. Somebody else heard our cries to God and were stewards of their money for us. I share that because of two things. One, the priority of Christ first is essential in our giving. It's essential in our living and we get it wrong. I get it wrong. I can't speak for y'all. I'm going to make an assumption, but I'm going to speak for me. I get it wrong. But when I put Christ first, things change. When I put Christ first, my spending changes, my giving changes. And as I cried out to God and he knew my heart, he sent somebody else to help us with that. And that's difficult for me to stand here and tell you. I'm like, y'all, like, you know, you know that moment of like the world tells you you got to be able to provide for yourself and for your family and blah, 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 and all these like, oh, it's a difficult thing to stand here and tell you that if it wasn't for someone hearing God and stewarding their money well to those in debt, <laughs> you know what I mean? It couldn't be that reflective. Now, am I telling you that you have to go write checks to everybody? <laughs> I mean, maybe if that's what God asks you. I don't know. But who's God putting on your heart? Who are those in debt around you that God's saying, hey, don't store it up in a bank account. Use it for the kingdom. Bless them. Because you see, we see that God and all he calls us to must be above money and desires. Man, we all have desires for a great holiday, don't we? Oh, we all have desires for the nicest cars and the nicest homes, houses. But we see in this scripture that actually the desire has got to be God. 13, verse 13, no one can serve two masters. Either you will hate the one and love the other, or you will be devoted to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve both money and God. I mean, it hurts, doesn't it? <laughs> because the world tells us You've got to earn a certain amount of money. Your worth is what you have in the bank. Like literally, your net worth, right? Like people are qualified by that. When we talk about people's importance in the world, well, Jeff Bezos' net worth is so-and-so, and the owner of this part net worth is, and this footballer, and this person, and this politician, their net worth is, their net worth is, their net worth, it doesn't matter. 
what the net worth is. We can't serve both money and the kingdom. Now, don't mishear me. I'm not sitting here and please, I'm not going to look at anyone and have my eyes closed. If you have money in the bank as saved up, right? That is not me saying, God is saying, give it to the church. That is not me saying, get rid of it all. That is me saying, ask God what he wants you to do with it. Because if God is saying, hold on to it, then there'll be a reason. The reality is that the person that gave me a check would not have been able to have done it if they had not had money in the bank, right? But what is God saying about your bank balance? What is God saying about how you're stewarding your money? Is God above all else? Or are you putting your priorities above that? And then finally, and I end with this one, and I've gone a bit longer than I expected, but hey, band, you can get ready. <laughs> we can try and justify ourselves, but God knows our hearts. I don't know about you, but I try and justify myself on a regular basis. We have two cars. I can justify two cars. I've got nice computers. I can justify my computers. We can justify our spending, our saving, our whatever. I need it. It's the best way. Oh, I'll use it for the church. It's for the kingdom. But God knows our hearts. God knows our hearts. We see in that last verse that the that I almost called them the trustees. <laughs> the the, the, the um, Pharisees start sneering at Jesus for all of this teaching. And Jesus says, Listen, you, you, you're justifying yourself to others, but God knows your heart. So at the end of the day, if, if God, if your heart for a car, a house, a rich, a holiday, whatever it is, if your heart is pure, God's going to be like, great, go for it. Awesome. You'll bless it. He's cool with that. He's not saying don't go on holiday. He's not saying don't have a nice car. He's not saying, but if your heart is, well, well, the thing is, I need this vacation, right? And, and the reason I need this vacation is I'm going to come back really well rested. And, and y'all need a pastor who's rested. So I'm going to go to Hawaii. I need y'all to pay for my trip to Hawaii. And that's going to be the best way to steward your money because only Hawaii can provide. What? No, my heart there isn't rest. My heart there isn't following God. My heart is I want to go to Hawaii, which by the way, no, I'm kidding. I was about to say, if anybody wants to send me, no. Um, that's, not, that's not a pure heart, right? Where's your heart? I don't know it. You can justify, you can blag yourself to me and I'll be like, wow, how awesome and pure are you? Yes, I'm for whatever you're doing. But God knows. I can blag it to y'all. I can convince y'all, I'm sure, of something. But God will know if it's not true. If it, Simply saying that, we need to prioritize it so that God is our number one. And you'll hear me say that repeatedly throughout this series. The thing is, we focus perhaps more on stewarding money today, but God's also giving you giftings, giftings with a G at the end. <laughs> and he's giving you passions. And he's giving you skills. How are you stewarding those passions, giftings, skills? Are you listening to God and say, God, okay, this is what you've given me. I'm going to go out and do something with it for your kingdom. Or are you just holding on to it? I mean, yeah, it's about the money, but it's also about our whole lives again. 
anything He gives us. Anything He gives us. We see today, and I'm coming into land with this, and I will end, I promise. From Jesus' mouth, we see this parable about the responsibility that we have as as stewards of all that God gives us. Yes, money. Yes, the money He gives us. But also the gifts, the talents, the passions, the lives He's given us. And anything He gives us, we are held to account for. We are called to use what we've been entrusted with relationally for others. It's not about it being for us. If we can do well with little, Scripture says that we'll be given a lot. I think that's eternal. That's not just in the flesh. Oh, if I do well with what I've got here, I'll get more. It's actually whatever God gives me, no matter how little, I'm promised eternally. Wow, that is more than I could ever imagine. We can't love our stuff and God. We must be focusing on God. He must be above it all. And then we might try and justify our poor stewardships, but ultimately, ultimately he knows our hearts. So what is God asking of you today? What is he placing on your heart? What has he entrusted you with financially, giftings, skills, talents? What has he entrusted you with that he's asking you to be a good steward? to steward wisely. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, I thank you that that even in difficult discussions, even in difficult scriptures, Lord, your spirit can speak to us. And Lord, I pray that this morning we would above all be hearing from you. Lord, we thank you for the ways that you have gifted us, the ways that you have entrusted us with, with both financial and physical and spiritual and emotional things, gifts. But Lord, I pray that right now, if, if our hearts aren't pure, if our hearts are, our motives are wrong, Lord, I pray that by your spirit, Lord, you would cleanse our hearts, soften our hearts, purify our hearts, God, that we would truly steward what you have entrusted to us righteously, purely. Lord, I I pray that you would be our number one. Lord, I thank you for those of us who are stewarding properly. Lord, I pray that we would continue to, that we would know your presence, that those who are stewarding and focusing on you, Lord, that they would be reminded that you have got them, that you are speaking to them and guiding them. But Lord, I pray that today, as you convict us, as you speak to us by your Spirit, Lord, that we would go and and truly seek your face and ask the questions of you. Even now as we pray, Lord, that you would speak to us, that by your Spirit you would stir it up in us. What are you asking us to give? Who are you asking us to give to? What does that look like, God, that we would be good stewards, biblical stewards of what you've given us? Lord, I pray right now that if there are difficult conversations to be had that we might be nervous about, Lord, that you would give us strength and courage to have them. Lord, I pray that if you're having a difficult conversation with us right now, Lord, that we would have ears to hear you. But I pray, God, that in all these things, in our stewardship, Lord, we would be truly focusing our eyes on you. That you would be our number one. By your spirit, God, lead us, strengthen us, 
Encourage us. We pray these things in Jesus' precious and awesome name. Amen.